Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. All right, guys, it's Rebecca. No one likes it when their theme song to their favorite podcast gets interrupted with a record scratch and an announcement. But I've got a couple things I want to run by you. One, if you're anything like me, you might hate it when a podcast you love does a live show and then just drops the live show in their feed as if you won't notice that it's different from regular episodes. That is what we're doing this week. But I promise you, If you love our podcast, you're going to love the live show we did in Nashville last week. It's really fun. We do a really pithy and fun review. We do a fun new game that gets a little bit raunchy. And we take some Q&As that are actually pretty great. So do not stop listening to this podcast just because you hear it's a live show. Trust me, I wouldn't have dropped it in the feed if I didn't think you would love it. The second thing I wanted to tell you about... As you know, my wonderful husband, Kevin, who I love with all of my heart, has been battling thyroid cancer. He recently had a second surgery, and that surgery caused an injury to one part of his larynx. He was able to be on the show this week. He was able to travel with us to Nashville and do all the fun stuff we did at PodX. But his voice does need some rest because of this injury. So I, yes, I, will be taking over some of the things he typically does on the show. Listen, I read ads just fine. Not as great as Kevin, maybe, but bear with me. I'm doing my best. I'm pretty sure he'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the show. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On, the original true crime podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture. And this week, we're coming to you live from Pod X in Nashville, Tennessee. We are going to be talking about the quirky but totally true maybe documentary, The Legend of Cocaine Island from Netflix. Plus, we'll have a little fun with the audience with a game we are calling Crime Writers Against Humanity. Joining me to get that done and more is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist and mechanical bull paparazzi, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, certified cat lady, host of our Patreon podcast, Leave it to Bricker, and newly certified Nashville tour guide, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello. Yes, that's me. And finally, our very attractive captain of woke cynicism, the author behind the noir novels known as the City Trilogy, host of our Patreon podcast, The Balls Deep Dive Book Club, and the guy who can't pick a place to eat dinner to save his own life, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. How y'all doing? (laughs) Y'all. I can attest to that. (laughs) All right. Before we start our first review of the evening, I would love to just get one highlight from each of you, your peak Nashville moment. I think it's our first time here, all of us. We're here at a conference, which has been really fun meeting all of our fellow podcasters. But Kevin, what has your peak Nashville moment been so far? It's being out at a honky tonk with Aaron Menke, Patrick Hines, Jillian Pensavale, Ashley Flowers, the four of you watching Susan Simpson ride a mechanical bull. Yeah, that was pretty good. That she, is the uh, most surrealistic thing that's <laughs> ever happened in crime podcasting. It's like if Rabia were doing it next. <laughs> yeah. And it should come as no surprise that she held on to that damn thing like she was going to solve it. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Laura? What's been your highlight? That was a pretty that was a big highlight as well. But I'm gonna say the hot chicken, which was really tasty, but my favorite hot chicken moment was when Rebecca said, You guys, look at that really hot guy over there eating the hot chicken. Yeah. So I talked to him. <laughs> of course. Uh, 
It was better because he was so good looking that when he was making the contorted, this is too hot face, you could tell he's like very used to holding his face like in that good looking guy way like that. And he was just like, like trying to do like the Pierce Brosnan eyebrows and not able to complete it. Anyway, it was a highlight for me too. That was actually going to be mine. What, what about you, Toby? I think I, I met Ravia Chaudhry for the first time yeah. and what I was not expecting is she was wearing like this sort of baseball cap, yeah. which I'd never like realized that she that was her headwear ever. Well, that was her undercover Muslim in Tennessee. Look, that's right. She was doing some. <laughs> she was doing some interviews. Uh, that's what she said on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, she was interviewing some witnesses for a case they're investigating, and they were in apparently like in deep Trump country. And as you know, she does a podcast about Donald Trump called the Forty Fifth, and she was undercover Muslim. And then we ran into some kid who was from the same town that they were doing their investigation yesterday. That's right. All right. So do you guys just want to get into our first review? You yeah. ready? All right. Here Let's we go. Do it. Netflix has a new documentary called The Legend of Cocaine Island. It tells the true story of Rodney Hyden, a Florida man who attempted to find the $2 million in cocaine a friend said he had buried 20 years ago on a remote Puerto Rican island. You know the difference between a, a northern fairy tale and a southern fairy tale? Well, a northern fairy tale starts off once upon a time. A southern fairy tale starts off. Y'all ain't gonna believe this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Can Rodney find the bag, smuggle it to Florida, and sell the coke to provide a better life for his family? The filmmakers take full advantage of a colorful cast of characters, even using Rodney to gleefully play himself in all of the reenactments. The legend of Cocaine Island embraces the absurd nature of this larger-than-life tale for maximum comedic effect. Now, we are going to be talking about plot points for the legend of Cocaine Island, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, sorry, live audience, you're screwed in that regard, <laughs> Just uh, you can fast-forward to where in the show notes we will put the time code for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down review, or you can just leave the room and go to the Voyage to the Stars podcast on the main stage. All right, so initially we find out immediately this is the one of the most stylized documentaries we've ever reviewed. I think of just the opening scene of this whole thing. If you knew where $2 million was buried in the ground, would you dig this shit up? Yes, so Kevin, in the opening scene of the documentary, we see a guy who looks just like Payne Lindsay, but a little more Southern. Um, What did you think of that opening of of the whole thing, Kevin? I think that it basically sets up the whole idea for the documentary, which is great, and that it sets the tone, too, that this is going to be quirky and intentionally so. They're totally embracing the colorful characters and their dubious life choices. (laughs) And, and playing it up um, in a way that is meant to be uh, good-spirited, although I think maybe you're going to disagree with me on some of those points later on. Probably. But I think it's a great way to start it up. And, you know, it's obviously something that was set up. You know, it was like, Andy, could, you know, we, we definitely get this later on, that 100% that was what was going to happen. But, you know, most of, like, a, a documentary might start up, like, with a, a tearful soundbite from a, a victim that they got in an interview and this one's like okay this is what I want you to do <laughs> go over there and then walk towards the camera and say this so I think right away you know this is a different kind of doc Laura what did you think of the style of the legend of cocaine island it's certainly very different than anything else we've ever seen I loved it and I'm glad you all finally like listen to me about watching it because I <laughs> have been harping on this thing since like February when I watched it during like ski season and I'm like you guys gotta watch this oh my god um, so just the style which is so over the top and the fact that these people were actually real um, made it even more ridiculous so I loved it <laughs> Toby what about you style of the documentary did it make you tolerate it more than you would have otherwise yeah I I don't know it was I thought it was more entertaining than actually good um, <laughs> <laughs> It is like when you say like the people were actually real, like I think they were kind of like 75% real because uh, they were definitely, they were definitely like playing up, playing to a part. Yeah. Well, that's one of my questions for you because 
I suspected while we were watching this that you would think the same thing I was thinking, which, yes, surprised me as well, because I don't always think that when we watch things. Um, the director of this documentary is a guy named Theo Love. I have so many questions for him. Um, the main one is that I find Rodney and his wife in particular, her name's Jamie, I find them to be abhorrent people uh, in many, many ways. And my question for you is, do you think that we are supposed to think that? Are we actually supposed to sympathize with people who are complaining because they spent all of their money and lost their 3,600 square foot house and are living on a piece of property that's perfectly fine and like are doing still way better than most of us. Are we really supposed to feel for them? Does the director actually want us to see them as abhorrent people? Are they supposed to be clowns for us? Yeah, I think the big question for me is like, is like who's in on the joke and if it even is a joke or if it just kind of comes out that way. Because of the way it's set up, like I find that I've found yeah, what's his name again? Rodney. 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 Way to pay attention, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this is a this is a good like glimpse of the way things work here. Um, so Rodney, I I found him to be like super sketchy, and I think his thing was, you know, I can also be like an adorable Jimmy Buffett type of guy, and like that's what he tries to get across in the uh, in the documentary. Um, when in fact, I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's weird that his daughter talks about how some people pick up stray animals and he picks up stray people, but the stray people he pick up are like drug addicts mm. and people with access to drugs. And he talks about how much weed he smokes and they're constantly drinking and all this stuff. So what was the question again? Um, are we supposed to like and care about them or are we supposed to see them as absurd? Which I think. I, I, I like honestly, think, I don't know. I like to think it's the latter. I yeah. like to think that. But it's, there, there's problems both ways. One is, if you're supposed to be, find them sympathetic, I think that's weird. <laughs> and then the second thing is, if you're not supposed to find them sympathetic, I don't know how he roped these people into acting out these dramas that played out supposedly in their lives. And they certainly seem to think that they're being appealing when they're acting those parts. So if it's being played for look at these idiots acting like they have a clue as to what's going on. Like That's a whole different issue. Right. I completely disagree with you guys. Yeah, I know you disagree, uh, I but I have a question for you, and then you can launch okay, on your disagreement. Sure. How the hell do you think they got Rodney to do his own reenactments? Because he did them gleefully. Would yeah. you? Would I? Yeah, would well, you? I'm, everyone knows I'm a ham, so of course <laughs> I would. All right, so what's your, about your disagreement well, about? okay. So I think part of the question is, and I don't know if we it, it touched on it, was whether or not the director thinks these are bad people, right? And so they're setting them up for ridicule. I don't get that sense at all. I find them to be very uh, likable. They've made some poor life choices, but you act like this is the first documentary you've ever seen. No. These are abhorrent people? Yes. Who do they hurt? Well, um, what makes them abhorrent? So here's what I because find abhorrent. they have the vanity to think that they're, they deserve something more. It's about the American dream. It's about the and falseness about the of the American dream. Sure it is. Yes. Sure it is, but you can't lay all that on Rodney. You know, it's like, oh, America, it would be great if it weren't for Rodney. Oh. But look, if he's an abhorrent person, then I don't think that the if the director thinks this, I don't think he would use him for all of these reenactments unless he was setting him up to say, like, what a horrible person he is. And but, if he does, then we don't get that. Nobody sees that. But can it be well, more complicated? Can it be like a joke? I yeah. think, it's, I think yeah. it's a joke, but I think it's a joke that is intended to show how human, like, what point humanity has come to that this guy actually thinks he's going to get away with this shit. Like, that's that's what this is about, is that this guy actually thinks, yeah, I'm going to go there and get this. And, and, and then you see his sort of skewed, like, version of his own reality. And I think that's what this is. It's like a study of what society has become. That view is, like, 180 degrees different than how this is introduced. Right. The theme and the tone and everything like that. You see it the way you see it. Yeah. But that just doesn't fit with the way they're setting this up. Okay. They have but a different view. Why are we getting so angry? I know, we're because really. Because it's a live audience. We're showing well, here's, people. But here's, but here's, so the, here's the thing, and this is my, this is actually what I think it's supposed to be. You just, you and you and you and I proved what I think it's supposed to be is you see it through whatever lens you are coming to it with. I think the American dream is a fake-ass piece of bullshit rhetoric that is used that like poor people can do anything if they just set their mind to it. Everyone in this documentary is white and everyone in this documentary already has opportunities that other people don't have. And that's where I come at it from. You come at it from this is an entertaining section of characters and a great story. And I, actually, I think that's the point. And that's the question I would ask Theo. 
But we have to move on because we have a post we have to hit. The volunteer is going to hold up a sign. Um, So I have a broader question about the characters in the story. We have Rodney. We've got Jamie, his wife. Boo-hoo. I was over a million dollars in debt to the bank. And I felt like a disappointment when I had to tell her. It was the life that I loved and I did not want to walk away from. So I thought I'd compromise. But he found the property out in Watermelon Pond and... I'd always said I wanted a sunset, and Ronnie bought me the prettiest sunset in Elijah County, but it came with a price. His actually kind of adorable drum majorette daughter, Emily, who they get to do in a reenactment on a dark gym. Again, I would love to have been there for that conversation. Like, Smells like teen spirit. Yeah, here's the thing, Emily. Like, You and all your friends are going to do what you do in marching band in the gym, but it's going to be dark. And we're just going to swirl around you and film it. Really weird. We have Carlos, uh, the fake drug uh, lord who looks a whole lot like the werewolf from True Blood. Um, we have D the Cuban who wears a scary mask and of course, Andy, AKA the most colorful character of all. No, I don't have a drug problem. I do drugs if that's what you're asking. Absolutely, yes, I've done them more than most. But nowadays, it's not a problem. It's a little flavor for you there. Uh, The other character in the story is a treasure map. This is really a story about a treasure map. And Laura Bricker, I know you must freaking love a treasure map. I do. If I had a treasure map, I would totally take my private plane and go. But I would bring a shovel if I found a treasure map. I would would totally plan ahead. But there is something about it. It's kind of exciting. Like, ooh, what are we going to discover? Is it actually going to be there? I can see how Rodney got caught up in this excitement. Can you? Yeah, I can. I find, I, I mean, you know... He's definitely, he's, he's very easily led. Yeah, go. I was just going to say, I think, I think one of the hints about like what the filmmaker thinks about Rodney is at the point where he starts talking about how he didn't bring a shovel, they show in the background a graveyard, which brings you to the obvious questions like, why didn't you just stop and ask them for a shovel? At the graveyard? He's a backhoe, yeah. Toby. Come on. <laughs> That's true. No he is a, he no is a builder. Well, yeah. I also assume there are houses uh, in Culebra, they could just knock on somebody's door and been like, "Hey, you have a shovel in your shed? Like, I've got why seven, do you want I got, that? I got seventy kilos of cocaine. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> you have a shovel. We're building a sandcastle, Toby. Yeah. yeah. Um, so of course, Rodney gets hooked up with D, who I think we can all agree is the smartest person in this whole movie for not actually showing his face in this movie. Um, kind of a scary guy. Um, and then D leads him to the, a guy that we hear is named Carlos, who again, looks a whole lot like that hot werewolf dude from True Blood. And Rodney just kind of like falls in love with this guy when he meets him. Carlos kind of reminded me a little of Tony Montana with his with his uh, body language and his accent and the way he, he uh, you know, put a little extra in behind some of his words. Scarface. I just Jesus, like that Scarface. Guy. Say hello to my little friend. Say hello to my little friend. Say hello to my little friend. Kevin, what is the deal with the American dude's obsession with Scarface? I I don't know. I don't get it. I've never understood it. Do you get it at all? No, it's it's, no, it's not my favorite movie. (laughs) So I can't I can't help you with that. What about you? You're a dude. You get the obsession? I haven't seen it. Let's add that to the list. Yeah, Goonies, Goonies. Scarface. Scarface. What was the other one you hadn't seen? Oh, Titanic. Titanic. But it just again, yeah. it illustrates Rodney's fanciful view of crime and the reason why you would think, oh, I'll just get all this cocaine and turn it into money without giving maybe a deeper consideration to what putting that cocaine on the street means, mm. you know, why it's a crime in the first place, right. as opposed to just all the... You know, the dollar signs after it. Well, what ends up happening is that this whole thing is fake. It's fake, right? So, yeah. uh, well, maybe. We have to talk about that. Uh, Rodney oh, yeah, fake, fake. gets a message from Carlos that has a photo of the cocaine uh, and then is asked to drive to a parking lot very quickly in a totally extraneous car chase scene that was completely <laughs> unnecessary to the plot. Laura, what would you think of that scene? It's pretty wild. <laughs> um, it's pretty exciting. It's kind of edge of the seat uh, material right there. No, I liked, I mean, it was just, I, I didn't know Rodney could move that fast. No. I mean, the last scene we see, he's like slowly walking along with the pig walking after him. And then all of a sudden he's in a car chase. You know, it, it did add some excitement to it. 
so then the big reveal happens and he shows up at this parking lot and they open the trunk and then sexy Carlos turns out is like a federal agent and throws on the DEA jacket and becomes as our friend Patrick Hines said yesterday, even sexier. And, um, you know, then this becomes about Rodney's prosecution for this conspiracy to traffic and drugs. And then there's this big legal question. Is this entrapment? I fucked up. Yeah. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm, I'm guilty for my part in it. But all that had to be done at any point was we know what, we know what you're doing just Give us the map and we'll go get it and take, you know, slap me on the hand. But no, they had to make a big drug dealer and a big drug king out of me. Rodney is pulled into a plot after telling a guy a story. It becomes very complicated, involves plane rides, involves going to a Puerto Rican island with no shovel, involves meeting with alleged uh, drug kingpin in a sketch bar, and which, by the way, if anybody has ever watched an actual drug kingpin like documentary or film, like he would not be the guy to come meet you, right? It would be like a minion, right? right. Yeah. But it turns out it's all fake, and they use his intent to convict him of this crime. Is this entrapment? I would love each of your opinions on this. Toby, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, it depends. I guess the state laws are different, but in some states, like you make a phone call and you don't get any money out of it or anything, but you make a phone call and you're basically on the hook for the entire deal. So the idea that he's getting money back for something that he arranged to some extent, like even if he wasn't the guy doing the digging or doing the flying or whatever, I think that that makes them culpable and you can disagree with the law or whatever, but that I, I think that's the way things generally work. So the the idea that it's entrapment, like I think he had enough agency in getting that going that like I, I think that's pretty thin. What about you, Laura? Entrapment or no? Um, you know, I think a good defense attorney could certainly make an argument that it is. I just think it's stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, entrapment, because I think that the government plan was to arrest him when he and Andy came back that first time, they had the dogs there, they didn't have the cocaine. And after that point, Rodney gave up, right? He decided, ah, this is stupid. I'm, I'm not too gonna lazy. Do this. Too lazy. <laughs> it's going to be too hard. Oh, the cops are there. And he was lured back into it at the insistence of the undercover agents. And I just think that's sort of definition of entrapment. If it were not for the government, he would not have committed that crime. So maybe you could charge him for everything he did up to that. I don't know if there's conspiracy or whatever but I felt like if it were not for the government he would have not taken it through to that that point I agree with you and even though I hate Rodney uh, it's just like that case in that documentary reviewed a long time ago about those uh, kids who were lured into the plot to to bomb the mosque in New York who had no intention of bombing you know a mosque like none and there was like an FBI unit set up to create terrorists to arrest them. And we were like so outraged at that. To me, it's essentially that. I, I think it's like if a bunch of kids were going to bomb a mosque and then like drove all their bombs there and for some reason realized they couldn't do it and drove away. And then you went back to them and said, all right, I've got a better plan for you and I'll do some of the stuff. So I think he already showed the intent that he was going to smuggle a hell of a lot of cocaine. And I think the fact that the government like gives them a little help in doing it, I don't think is the same as finding somebody who had no intent to do that and say, hey man, I know where all this cocaine is. Why don't we bring it back? I think that's a completely different thing. I think he's already shown that he's willing to do it. And I, and, you know, if you're the government, if you haven't watched the documentary, there's no reason to believe that he would stop. I mean, there's, mm. there's nothing that he did that would sort of tip off a law enforcement agency to say, okay, well, th this is just not going to happen. Right. So I think that's... if. Setting up people like that, is it all legitimate? And I, I don't know, like I have my own moral uh, questions about that, but it seems like that's the way our, our, our law enforcement agencies work. And in this case, I think he gave enough of a clue as to what his sort of basic uh, attitude towards this was that it, it wasn't. It wasn't like they're picking somebody at random. Right. Yeah, now, but season two could be coming because there was that hint at the end. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. I think there there is potential that somebody is going to go find those drugs. Potentially. Um, Laura, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will be. How much of the story is about privilege? Rodney gets convicted of a serious drug offense, and he gets almost no time. He has to kiss his wife after 60 days and, and basically do volunteer work. That is what he does for his job, so it's not really... Like a, and I, I just kept thinking, like, if he were black, like, this is not how this would have played out. What do you think? 
Well, here's the thing. I can I see where you're coming from, Rebecca. But honestly, that like look at this case. This guy was a freaking moron. Okay, <laughs> the judge he was Florida recognized man. literally yeah, every Florida crime that you all post on our Facebook discussion group could be this. This guy is like the kingpin of every stupid Florida crime that you've ever seen. The judge was just like, this guy's an idiot, and this guy having to work instead of sitting in jail watching TV is actually, I think, a bigger punishment for him. Because, all right. You know, I mean, he's having to work. It seemed like he wasn't really doing a lot of work before. He was riding his jet skis and all that other stuff. So, right, right. Having yeah. uh, campfires with his friends, lots of drinking. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do what we do. It's time for us to give The Legend of Cocaine Island from Netflix a thumbs up or thumbs down review. Laura Brick, I'm going to ask you the question. Our crime writers on listeners, folks here in the audience, would you recommend thumbs up or thumbs down that they check out The Legend of Cocaine Island on Netflix? Um, absolutely, because I've been telling you guys this for like three months. So, <laughs> yes. It is very entertaining. Yes, you can find a bigger message in it, but I mean, even Fireman Ken liked it, and I know I say he doesn't like a lot, but he's like, this guy's a fucking moron. So <laughs> I say watch it, because you're just going to be like, is this real? Yeah. Yes. Toby Ball, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs, thumbs down up. review for The Legend of Cocaine Island on Netflix. So I watched this on the plane coming down here, and my choices were either watch this or take a nap. Um <laughs> And if those are your two choices, I would take a nap. So I think it's a thumbs down. <laughs> wow. I'm going to go thumbs up because, as you all know, I like it when I listen to or watch something that's completely different than anything else we've ever seen. This certainly fits that category. And I choose to think of it as a complicated morality play where a director is playing with his audience and showing us hateable characters and framing them in a likable way to test us to see how we'll feel. If that's true, I think this deserves a damn Academy Award. Otherwise, it's really fun, and I give it a thumbs up. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm also a thumbs up. Um, I yeah, it's so stylized. It's unlike anything we've seen before. I you know I can't imagine the folks from Abducted in Plain Sight doing their own reenactment. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. You mean speaks. wait? You mean a little kid saying, "Okay, I'm going to pretend to be kidnapped right now." You think yeah, that would exa- be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it's it's just so different. Um, and I think it's a light story. I mean, I should say, no, I'm going to take that back. It's very lightly told. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This is the part of the podcast where we typically move on to another review or talk about something pithy and brainy and sort of like the deeper side. We try to put the lighter content in the front half and the deeper content in the back half. Instead, we are doing something a little bit different. Uh, I want to play a game with my fellow panelists called Crime Writers Against Humanity. Any of you who've played Cards Against Humanity at home might be familiar with the premise of this game. But Kevin, uh, can you please explain the game and call up our lucky volunteer who's going to be helping us out with it? Leslie's going to help us out. Yes. Leslie, come on up. You played, here, here's some cards. Who here has played Cards Against Humanity? A lot of people. So you know this is a very dirty, very racy game. This is probably something that we're going to totally go to regret. The mic right there, Leslie. You want it? Yeah. I, I've never you played want it, it Kevin. I've played apples to apples. I've never played that. That's what this is. So the point of this game is that we'll all get a prompt, a podcast-related prompt sentence with a blank in it or have to answer it, 
And on all of these cards are pre-written answers that are weird and filthy and slightly racist. Oh, my God. And we're, yeah. oh. <laughs> I'm not saying this out loud. You don't have to. Wow, Kevin, so, you really didn't curate these cards. <laughs> <laughs> I am not it, saying some of this shit on my own podcast. No. So what we'll do is we'll each pick an answer. We'll mm. give them to Leslie. And as the judge, she'll pick who the, the, the best card is. And... Um, or she can ask for the audience to help her decide. Uh, yes. In a lot of ways, this is probably a career ender for us. <laughs> but, uh, oh, Leslie, like if you'd like, go ahead and ask the first card. Okay. This week's cat of the week is a little tabby named Blank. This week's cat of the week is a little tabby named Blank. Okay. Got it. I feel like we should have like some ad music in the yeah. playing underneath here. This week's cat of the week is a little tabby named Oh, Grandpa's ashes. <laughs> a little tabby <laughs> called the Asshole Destroyer Three Thousand. <laughs> little tabby named Politics, <laughs> and a little tabby named Yo Stanky Ass. <laughs> I'm gonna have. What do we think? What do we think, guys? Do we think? Grandpa's yeah. ashes. Grandpa's ashes takes it. Oh, oh. nice, nice. So one point for Kevin. Next one, please. Okay. What has Laura rage walking today? What has oh. Laura rage walking this today? This is super easy. Oh my God, this is a perfect one. All right, Laura is rage walking. <clears throat> oh, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we picked you. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what has Laura rage walking today? A concerning amount of white people. <laughs> this boring ass white bitch from work. <laughs> Turning poor people against each other so they don't pay attention to economic inequality. <laughs> And the South rising again. Oh. I think that's the winner. Yeah. Yay! One for Laura. It's true. <laughs> Gotta get on that plane. What does it smell like inside Studio C? Oh, no. Wow, Kevin, you did great on these. Oh, that one's good, too. What does it smell like inside Studio C? <laughs> I can't take this oh, game. Leslie, you are, you are <laughs> very good at this. <laughs> no. Haven't you done this like, at a cocktail party? No, I've never played I've this never in played my this life. Either. Oh, we'll get you this for oh, Christmas. Oh, this is great. Laura, we should have done this last night. Okay. <clears throat> what does it smell like inside Studio C? Oral? <laughs> With Kevin and his Winnie the Pooh. Uh, a little taste of penis. <laughs> Just a good little. Good God, y'all. Just a little. My secret butt, <laughs> or the primal ball slapping sex your parents are having right now. <laughs> That's probably the winner, right? Yeah. Don't we think? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Two, Two for points for Kevin. Laura has one. Toby and I each have zero. Yeah. Okay, come on, y'all. Come on. Okay. Here we go. Getting ready. Just chance to get All back. Right, I okay. suck at this. What does Toby dream about at night? Oh God. <laughs> UFOs. What does Toby dream about at night? Um, Do you have an Irma Bombeck? <laughs> yeah, I once went, I thought I was going to be a comedy Toby. writer at one point. <laughs> what do, you, do you know what you dream about at night? I'm, I'm about, about to tell to you. Find out. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Interrupting women. <laughs> <laughs> The end of all life on earth. <laughs> oh, tiny sour kisses from a lemon dwarf. <laughs> or a vagina that beatboxes when it's horny. <laughs> <laughs> what is this game? Um, it's the vagina, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the vagina. My, my, mom, my mom listens to this. <laughs> oh, oh, hi, Toby's mom. <laughs> Whose card was that? Who was the vagina? Kevin? Oh. Yeah! Who By the way, we're an explicit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me read the back of this. Um, oh, no. Please oh, keep our audience in mind and provide warnings before discussing topics that are potentially upsetting. Uh, warning, we're about to discuss something that might be potentially upsetting. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Two more. I'm All right, two more. Now. Rebecca, <laughs> Laura's into it now. I'm watching I got the it. time. I got it. Now that I figured All it out. All right, in the suspect's car, police found a knife, duct tape, a shovel, and blank. In the suspect's car, police found a knife, duct tape, a shovel, and blank. Laura's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to get another point. All right, knife, duct tape, shovel, and three men and three hot dogs. <laughs> Police found the milkman. <laughs> Police found beef. <laughs> or my personal favorite. Sorry, spoiler. In the suspect's car, police found a knife, duct tape, a shovel, and pictures of boobs. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. Kevin? Pictures. Oh! Look at for fuck's oh sake! I need one more chance to redeem one myself. More. This is the last one. I think didn't didn't you divide up the deck? He did. I know I he did. got all the yeah. good ones. Good yeah. All right, here we go. In crime of the week, dun, dun, a Florida woman is accused of blank. Hmm. I just got to come up with a really good one. In crime of the week, a Florida woman is accused of bullshit. <laughs> She's accused of foul vegan shits. <laughs> oh my God. A Florida woman is accused of twirling a cane, popping it into my anus, and giving a tip of the top hat. <laughs> 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 oh, I can't laugh because of my cancer. <laughs> Way to make cancer funny for a second, Kevin. Nicely done. <laughs> a Florida woman is accused of throwing a man by his big penis. Oh. <laughs> Twirling the cane, right? Yes. Yes. Yay! Now we know how to play this game. Now I've done it. All right, we all know who won, but let's give the victory to Laura Bricker because she got on the board with two, shall we? Yay. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime of the week. This is via WBZ, Boston's crack CBS news affiliate. When 86-year-old Roy Sievertson of Southampton, New Hampshire, yes, sat down for his evening ritual of reading the news on his iPad on Thursday night, he was met with an unusual and painful surprise. I sat there in amazement, he explained. It's impossible. He felt a pinch on his finger. When he looked down, he discovered he'd been bitten by a bat. It felt just like a bee sting, he said. It was quite the shock. 
To Severtson's surprise, the bat had lodged its way into the flaps of his iPad case before biting him. He clenched the bat inside his case, quickly snapped a picture, and then released it. (laughs) Way to go. (laughs) When he came back the next day, the bat was still there but had died. That's when Roy knew there was a problem. A problem for him because he was dead, he joked. I was still alive. Rodney called New Hampshire Fish and Game, who then tested the bat to find out what Sievertson had feared. It was, in fact, rabid. Now, a week later, he's visiting Exeter Hospital for more rabies shots. He says he's not worried for his health, but he's worried about kids in the neighborhood, especially those who are addicted to playing games on their iPads. So here's my question for you, panel. What do you think that bat was actually looking at on that dude's iPad? Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to go with another answer from the cards. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> Toby Ball, what do, you, what do you think? What was that bat looking at in that dude's iPad? Owl homicides. Oh, oh. yes. Callback. Kevin Flynn, what do you think that bat was looking That's at in his iPad? I think I'm going to go with Laura and pick a card. And it's going to be these breasts of mine. <laughs> God, the fact that none of you talked about bat porn means that I have to be the one to say it. Uh, We should probably end the show on that note, but before we end it, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. Kai Garvey. Is is anybody named Kai Garvey here? I guess not. Uh, Well, anyway, I like this cat. This is Henry. Our cat being decidedly unapologetic about biting my foot in the middle of the night by helping me during writing time. And Henry is actually sitting on uh, Kai's keyboard, which happens to me on a daily basis. But her cat is looking totally, totally unconcerned about that. So uh, good job, Henry. (laughs) Also in honor of Henry Lavoie. Yes, my very handsome line producing son. Yeah. Henry Lavoie. Well, Laura Bricker, if people in our audience or out there in the world want to submit their cats, dogs, pets, other animals to you to be Cat of the Week on this fine podcast, how can they find you online? At Laura Bricker. And Toby Ball. People want to reach out to you and say, why the hell haven't you seen Scarface, Titanic, or The Goonies? How can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball and H. And Kevin P. Flynn, people want to reach out to you and, I don't know, make a little cancer joke back your way. (laughs) How can they find you online? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you strenuously to join the amazing community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page, by the way. Support the show on Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media, and you will get the Crime Writers On After Show, which was recorded earlier today without me. Can't wait to hear that one. Married with you Podcast. You had your chance. <laughs> Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast and Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast. Our theme song was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. And this show was recorded on the MP3 Festival stage at Pod X in Nashville, the place where everyone says... Y'all ain't gonna believe this shit. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. We should have brought you a glass of Chardonnay. I know. It's and we're not drinking our normal beverages either, so that's you know, but that's okay. Seventy-four percent less slurring. Get right up to the mic, Laura. Okay. Although there's somebody running the board, so yeah, no, it's fine. Actually, that is the kind of shit that I got to tell these people all the time. (laughs) Not the first bird I've been flipped by my husband today. says yeehaw here that's what they no say everybody the... says woo uh, on the... <laughs> they say yeehaw too we have like 20 minutes so you have... we have like 15 minutes i wanted some time yeah, it goes, left it goes 10 to th- it goes two to three i know we're gonna ask some i questions. have a clock oh all right <laughs> i guess she just wants to get to the airport really fast no i she really doesn't wanted... care about any of you no i really wanted some time to get the chance to talk to our audience a little bit okay. find out a little bit about them does anybody have a question for one of us that they would like to ask the panel uh, how many folks listen to us regularly or have listened to us before? Any, how about anybody new here? 
couple of new folks. Right. Great, thanks. You're in though, right? You are fucking totally in. in. <laughs> yeah. So her question was, I have to repeat it for the recording, the Benny and Barty Hill podcast that Toby's been working on for a very long time, that is my fault that you haven't heard yet. When is that coming out? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping, uh, hopefully, you know, sometime this summer. It's been, uh, it, it takes longer to put out a podcast than I thought in that, like, even Surprise. though. Yeah. <laughs> Even though a lot of stuff is done, there's still some stuff that needs to be finished up. So hopefully, you know, sometime this summer. Do you want to just tell people who might not know who Betty and Barney Hill were? Sure. Uh, so Betty and Barney Hill. I, so to take a step back, I've been working on this podcast for a little over a year now. Uh, but Betty and Barney Hill were uh, an interracial couple from Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, which is about, you know, eight miles from where I live, uh, who in 1961, saw a UFO while they were driving through the mountains of New Hampshire. And um, two years later, they were undergoing hypnosis therapy for like completely different reasons. And they both told the same story about being abducted by aliens and brought on a UFO and having medical exams. So that's where this whole, like, I was abducted by UFOs. They were the first ones. Yeah, they're the first ones. So that's 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 where the original story comes from. So the podcast is about sort of that story and then about how um, sort of science and skeptics take a look at what might actually have happened because nobody really believes they were just lying and just making things up. But at the same, you know, a lot of people don't believe that we're actually being visited and abducted by aliens. So how do you kind of reconcile those? So there's a lot about sort of the psychology of belief and skepticism and about what we know about hypnosis now and about the way memory works um, and stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, in the next few months. Hey, that's great. <laughs> an asshole you are <laughs> really one of my favorite things about how this show has developed over the last four plus years that we've been doing it is that we really started out as a podcast about criticizing things about you know reviewing other podcasts about talking about serial talking about s-town sort of breaking it down bringing our point professional points of view to it and all the stuff that we do in our our lives but about i want to say like a year into the show i realized that is the core of the show, but the show really is the four of us and really leaning in and letting everybody like develop their character on the show. And so of course we have Kevin, who's my like wonderful, supportive and sometimes assholeish husband. We have, um, who's also a ham and does great impressions. Uh, we have, you know, Laura, who is this real life private detective who also is like small town adorable in every conceivable way. And we have Toby who is the skeptic and who is the cynical one and who is the one who's like, Listen, uh, I know that I was literally abducted by an alien last night, but that just can't be what happened. Um, and that is really, like, I think I think that is the magic I, that, that keeps you guys listening. I like to think that anyway. I don't know. What do you think? think so? You agree, right? You agree. Just say you agree. I, I agree. Know. Okay. Yeah. I do tell them what to say. Another question. Yeah. What would you say is the most interesting thing you've all learned about each other in the past four years? Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I Kevin, what do you think? Uh, well, I don't. I don't know if it's like in, individual things, but I'm, I'm really happy that the four of us, um, like we've never quarreled. You know, like as I think about the Beatles, you know, it's like oh, well, oh we're be just some like friction. them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Rebecca and I do bicker like while we're recording sometimes, and she's like, okay, Lori and Toby, uh, mom and dad are fighting right now, so we're gonna argue about this. It's only because I feel like um, I need to mansplain stuff, and I really don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just think I'm really happy that, like, you know, we've been um, really good friends, and it's like the kind of thing we don't see each other socially. I mean, this is like we, the four of us together at the same place is really rare. So when it comes to that weekly, let's get together, it's like that's the time where the friends get together, and then we go our separate ways, and I think that keeps it fresh and um you know, keeps it uh, keeps it lively. I don't think it's like direct answer to your question, but you know, when I think about the four of us, that's what I think. What about you, Laura? Have you learned anything interesting about any of us in the last four years? Not that I can reveal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping it for a later date. No, I, you know, um, hmm, that's an interesting question. I don't know if I've learned any. I mean, I think I've learned along the way. One of the things that always kind of surprises me that I didn't realize in the beginning. Kevin and I, I feel like, tend to agree a lot more often 
Yeah, that's surprising, I, I, right? I, yeah, well, it is. I kind of like, I'm, when I'm watching something, I'm like, Kevin's going to like this. Rebecca's, so I think I've learned everybody's taste. Like, I can totally, like, last week I was like, yeah, Toby is totally, this was totally made for Toby. Whatever. Oh, Chernobyl? Chernobyl, I was yeah, like. Yeah, coming out tomorrow, yeah. I hate that show. Um, <laughs> oh, spoiler. Um, <laughs> no, I think I've learned that Rebecca LeBoy is, like, secretly superwoman, because I don't really know how she does everything that she does. Because I don't go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> But how, how am I supposed to know what's going on, Rebecca? That's true. And this is where I get all my information at the gym, in the coffee shop, <laughs> and literally everywhere. In the supermarket. You go. Yes. Even at this conference. In the Uber. Like you are just not afraid to walk up to people and just. In and a trolley. It, yeah, it's your it's your magic power. It is. What about you, Toby? I was going to agree with Kevin, but then I was also going to say, like, the thing that I've learned in the last 48 hours is watching her in action. Like, everywhere you go, if there's a question about anything, like, why is that super hot guy eating hot chicken? Like, she, like, turns on the tape recorder and goes over and talks to him about it. Or, like, she goes on, like, a tour of Nashville. And then, like, when we're trying to figure out, like, what to do after all the events are over, she, like, has this, like, rundown of, like... 15 like obscure facts about Nashville that might make our evening more fun so and and didn't they they, oh, they did. I, I'm just saying like the bull have I been on the bull since last week and, yeah, and, then and it happened you were in the Virgin Islands and figuring out about cat adoptions and stuff so yeah. it's all, she like gets to the bottom of a lot of very weird stuff she knows things she I knows do. things and Laura has a very also complicated and interesting backstory she has like a prominent politician as like a grandfather. As you know from the podcast, she grew up in Vermont with like no TV and she was like a horse person. And which is why I didn't ride the bull. Yes. But there are just still facts that just like come out and we're like, what the fuck are you talking about, Laura? She's she's definitely the most mysterious person on our show with the most secrets to, to yet to be revealed. Yet to be revealed. I think so. Stay anyway. tuned. Does anybody else have a question for us? I want to ask more about like the production part. So we got to see a little bit today, but like how hard is it being in different places? And I know we hear like the outtakes sometimes at the end, but just curious, like a little bit of background on that. Well, Kevin and I have a studio in our house, so we are together. And then Laura and Toby each record at their house and they have like remote mics and then we record their track on a separate track. So, and this is actually something we're going to be like working on a little bit in the next few months because both Laura and Toby now have the magical power to record themselves on higher quality equipment. And I'm like, why are we not using that? Um, But then basically, so we record the show. Usually we record for about two hours and that includes now our after show and all the other stuff we want to do. And it's not so much different than what you just saw except um like there are like 18 questions here that I didn't get to because I was looking at the clock that in our regular taping I would get to more and then I when I in the edit which takes about six to eight hours usually between the editing and the digital stuff we have to do the the posting the post-production the posting the writing the show notes all that stuff I just make editorial decisions about like what really hit home the most in the conversation and a big part of it for me is what is each person's best answer so um there's like habits that each of us have myself included like one of toby's habits is he will start an answer to explore his own answer and then like the last thing he will say will be like he'll kind of recap it with what he said at the beginning but it will be super profound so over the years i've learned like all right so i'm getting to toby's answer like the first 20 seconds of it go um we're going to start with the exploration and then end with a profound point and we all have those kinds of patterns um that we get to like laura usually right away says like top of mind like boom i think this thing sucked and i'm like that's staying in um and uh it's just a fun like way to sort of get to know people through editing their own you know editing their audio um but that's kind of how it works is we just we have multiple tracks and we add all the elements we played live. I add all those later. We don't hear any of the music. We don't play any clips. I usually choose the clips to include after we've recorded because I want to if we dem- if we talk about something in particular, I want to demonstrate it with a clip. So if we talk about how shitty the audio production is in some stupid podcast, like I want to be like, let me find a sample of that shitty audio production. Kevin, you do a big part of the producing work with me, too. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, the, the writing is um, uh, important to set it up. So. Uh, so we have like a clean intro and a clean outro and you got to write, you know, crime of the week. And usually we sort of sh- share that amongst each other ahead of time. So we know it's going to be about a bat. So you can think about <laughs> something because it's like no fun. And you say, well, well, you know, you know, what do you think this person ought to do next? And you're like, well, I don't know. I didn't think about it. <laughs> it's not much of a joke then. So, uh, you know, I think we just kind of find like, OK, what's everybody's strength and. 
let's help each other in the places that we we don't you know we're not as strong so right. that we have a a rounded podcast I mean, the other thing that was unusual about now is that like in our outposts I don't know if this is true for Laura, but if I want to get in a point after I've already had my turn and said what De- what Rebecca told me to say, I uh, <laughs> I do a lot of like, uh, uh, you know, I'll like make little like noises and then Rebecca will be like, too. Rebecca will be like, Toby, I think you wanted, I think I heard you want to cut in on something. <laughs> and the other thing I do that I didn't do today is I do a hell of a lot of like, uh, <laughs> like I do a lot of time buying, which doesn't work so well in front of a live audience. Well, and then you also sometimes disappear, and we're like, "Is Toby watching a basketball game?" Yes, yes, yeah. A hundred percent, he heard is. Toby in a while. So I am, but I also like. <laughs> yeah, you're you're busted, Toby. Busted. Look, I know things. I, I drink and I know things. I, Toby, my family is not quiet. And like my daughter, who weighs like a hundred pounds, ringing wet. Like her favorite shoes are these pink flowered Doc Martens, and she just goes pounding up and down the <laughs> stairs, and like doors are slamming and stuff. So I mute. Yeah, I we appreciate. Does the your meeting. family yeah. know what you do? Yeah. <laughs> they've they've gr- they've grown too accustomed to it. I think, <laughs> at this point. I, I one thing I've learned about Toby going back to the earlier question is that if we want him to actually watch or listen to all of the thing we're going to be recording <laughs> on a specific night. We actually tell him we're recording the night before, and then we change it. <laughs> he's very often like, um, you know, we, we use Slack, and we sort of message each other, and he's like, uh, he's like, what time are we taping? And I'm like, eight. And he's like, all right, I have one more episode to go. I'll be done by then. And I'm like, you had one job. All you had to do was watch this stupid show. But no, it's, it's very much, and Kevin is right. Like, we do not, we don't quarrel. Like, we no. don't have... Sometimes they're just sort of like basic, like, oh, I thought we were doing this and we're not doing this. Or like, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to get to your UFO podcast. But other than that, um, you know, just sort of... I want to give Laura and Toby some credit because, you know, we often like pick bad stuff for them to invest a week in. You know, like, oh, I want everybody to do this podcast. And we all do it. And realize later, man, that was really a shitty podcast or a bad (laughs) documentary. And they've never complained like, you know, that was, why did you make us do that? You know, I mean, maybe they think it. Toby has said that on the show many times. No, you know, no, no. The only I mean, you time, can thump, they the thumped down it. The only really hit me was when we watched, like, Abducted in Plain Sight, and then we did the Michael Jackson documentary, uh, yeah. and then we did one more horrible, like, killer child molester thing. I'm like, I can't fucking take it anymore. Like, this needs to stop. That was a brutal run. That was, a, that was just too much. Yeah. Oh, you have one more? One more question. So, um, confession time. I'm one of the new people. Um, I welcome. Ju- I just <laughs> discovered you guys because of this convention Yay! because I sat down in front of Toby Those at another panel. Were worth it. <laughs> so We're building um, the audience one person at a time. Yeah, and he, I kind of embarrassedly he was like, "Oh, have you heard of Crime Writers On?" And I was like, "No, I feel awkward." Um, but um, I don't I'm, always sound like this. I sound better. <laughs> So I guess just a question for someone who is new to the podcast and new to you guys, where would you recommend I start from? Oh, it doesn't really matter because we're not, you know, we're not a sequential podcast. Right, obviously. But I'd say look at the thing. Look at some stuff maybe that you've already listened to or watched that we're talking about to kind of orient yourself and then do the thing where you're like, do you agree with us? Do you agree with, I mean, sometimes we don't all agree with each other. You're like, oh yeah, I like, I agree with Toby, but not with Laura or you know, and, and sort of, I think that's a place to like, kind of get your feet wet. And then when you are comfortable with us, and you feel like we're your four friends, <laughs> then, you know, and then like, like pick up like the new stuff. And then hopefully, like, you know, if you have some some faith in that, like we're gonna steer you the right way, then when we do the next podcast, and we say, okay, this week we're talking about the shrink next door, and we all hate it, and you're like, oh, well, then I'm. Not rushing to get to that one, you know. So, no, people know. love listening to us hate things. They love yeah, it. Right. You're talking about no. I would say one of the things that the mission of the show, or at least for, the, for me, is to teach people how to listen critically to podcasts and watch media critically. So we really try. We didn't do a ton of it tonight, but we really try to explain why something works or it doesn't. And we have been on um, the down negative review side of many very very popular things. And I don't care. Sometimes popular stuff is bad. And I think it's, in, I would like in, in a perfect world to see good stuff be popular. So, you know, if there's something maybe that you didn't love or maybe you're on the fence about, but that you listened to and you just couldn't stop because it was there, like maybe start with one of those. Yeah. And we, and we always say, we don't always say, it, but we always believe this, that you should love what you love. 
So if the four of us hate Up and Vanish. Up and Vanish. And you love Up <laughs> and Vanish, we're not gonna begrudge that to you. We're not gonna tell you you shouldn't do that. Your 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 feelings are wrong or whatever. We didn't like it. These are the fifty reasons why. <laughs> right. But if you love you should love it, because we all have stuff that we love that everybody else hates, yeah, you know. Like, so Toby still hasn't gone over true detective season one. That's right. Oh or yeah. two. Or three. None of them. Toby. <laughs> yeah, well, Toby's an easy and he, pick. And he yeah. spoiled the ending. Yeah, remember that? Oh, that's that, right. Somebody got really yeah. Mad at somebody you, was Toby. really really upset that I spoiled the ending of. No, but it wasn't one. even True Detective. Like you made reference to. Yeah, we were talking about something, something else. else, and I was like, oh, just like True Detective, where it turns out to be, you know. Yeah. I said it. <laughs> yeah. The guy was not happy. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I think all the time we have, and I really just want to thank you all for coming out. It's been such a pleasure of ours to meet people who actually listen to our stupid podcast <laughs> and to get to know you a little bit better. And as you'll know, because we're weird this way, is that once you've met us in person, we actually do become friends in real life, like Facebook friend me. I, mean, I can't speak for them. Uh, I will accept it, and we will be friends in real life. And we think of you all that way. You know, there's more, many tens of thousands of you more, but we really do think of you all as real friends, and we love making the show for you. So thank you so much for coming out and watching our show. Partners in Crime Media. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.